0: Good morning. It's Tuesday, June 16th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, joined right now by Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 24-7 Sports. Chris, hope you're doing well. Uh, well, I'm excited to talk to you about this article you have up on 247sports.com about running backs and the history of them winning the Heisman and and how the history has really changed in the last 30, 20 years. And, And more importantly for this conversation, what that means going forward. If we're ever going to to see a running back win the Heisman again, I'm I'm sure we will, but what it will take. But before we get to that, figure we should report on the news a little bit, Chris. Chris Doyle, the longtime Iowa football strength and conditioning coach, uh, has been fired. They've parted ways with him uh, after amid weeks-long claims of biased behavior in his weight room based on race, and the agreement is effective immediately. He will be paid out two payments of f- over $500,000. So he's going to get about $1.1 million to, I guess, walk away quietly. And it seems to me, Chris, that, that this, this ties a bow on this chapter for Iowa. You know, I would assume Kirk Ferentz gets to move forward now, gets to, to repair the bridges they've burned with this behavior has lifted the longtime social media ban. And and now Iowa sort of has a path forward.
1: Yeah. First of all, nice work. If you can get it, get, uh, get accused of racial disparities within your strength and conditioning program and get a million dollars on the way out the door. But, um, Kirk Ferentz is okay for now. Certainly. Um, I, I was athletic director, Gary Barta said earlier today, I remain confident that Kirk friends is can lead this team moving forward. And this is, I think if you can correct me if I'm wrong, he's the longest tenured coach in college football at one program, right?
0: Yeah. He's gotta be no, 1999. Yeah. yeah.
1: 21. He's going into his 21st year and this is a guy that is so well respected. Not only, not only in Iowa, but in college football and in NFL circles, Like he is a guy who is obviously some stuff has come to light recently, but for a long time he's been known as a guy who kind of runs a blue collar program, does things quietly, kind of does things the right way. I think he's certainly going to have to examine the way he runs his program and make some really visible quick changes to stick around. But this is a guy who I think for a long time and hoped his son, Brian would take over as head coach. And I think of anything that's comes out of this, that's what's most in question moving forward.
0: I would agree with you, and I do wonder though, Kirk Ferentz is going to keep his job if this does mark the beginning of the end. It, it sort of reminds me in a way of Mark D'Antonio, Chris, who had all that off the field sexual assault allegations regarding like surrounding his program, and that sort of just became too much, I think, and get and and combined that with Michigan State's decline in play, I think just led to his early retirement. I wonder if that start, like if if Kirk Ferentz is gone in a year or two years, we look back and say this is why. So anyway, yeah, something to track. And Brian Ferentz, again, great point by you. He's long been regarded as next fan up. Iowa has had two coaches in something like the last thirty-five to forty years with with Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz. So maybe that continuity will not be as clean or as easy as Iowa fans might have thought. Earlier this year, but let's move on get to your those, story.
1: Get those Bob Stoops uh, rumor reels running early. Track. Yeah,
0: no, Bob Stoops, absolutely, former Iowa Hawkeye defensive back. So let's get to your story because you know this was really interesting to read. We 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 talk about the Heisman Trophy all the time, and you know, some people have the opinion that it's for college football's best player, and in some years it should go to Ngamakong Sue. I think realistically, we know it's now given to the best quarterback on usually the best team or one of the best teams. The question is, can we find a running back who fits the bill this season or the next few seasons to win it? And to do that, you sort of broke down a few requirements, Chris, and I'm going to let you introduce those and we'll we'll introduce one and talk about it, introduce the other and talk about it. Before we get to it, though, will you just kind of lay out with the, the running back Heisman landscape in the last 20 years, three have won it. That includes Reggie Bush. And it, it's been since Derrick Henry in 2015 that we've had one.
1: It's yeah. It's kind of crazy to think that college football is a sport so long defined by running backs, 30 of the 50 Heisman winners from 1950 to 1999 were running backs, only 15 quarterbacks won the award in that stretch. I think 17 of the last 20 Heisman winners have been quarterbacks And only the other three were running backs. So you're either a quarterback winning the Heisman Trophy or you're a running back every once in a while winning that award. And that number has kind of shrunk drastically year after year. Uh, From 1980 to 1999, there were 10 Heisman winning running backs, and that number obviously dropped to three the last 20 years. And given the way college football is moving, uh, it's difficult to see scenarios where we see more than three to five running backs every 20 years. But um, in this article, I was certainly looking to lay out the case for a running back and what has to happen year after year for it to kind of occur.
0: Yeah, so let's start with one. Uh, criteria number one, play for a winning team. That's self-explanatory, right? Like we don't have to yeah, spend definitely. too much time yeah. on that. Quarter, would... Quarterbacks, you can, we've seen Lamar Jackson, RG3, that you can be an eight-win eight team and be a quarterback, but there's not, not a world in which a running back plays for a team that's like not in the playoff race and wins the Heisman.
1: Yeah, all three Heisman winners, the last running back Heisman winners, the last 20 years, were on a team that competed for a national championship that season.
0: Wow. And I, I guess, yeah, two of those guys won, both Alabama guys. All right. Number two, Chris, tell us about this one. The running back must overshadow his quarterback.
1: Yeah, and I would I would challenge college football fans at home to just think for a second and try to come up with Derrick Henry's quarterback in 2015. I'll give you a second. It's Jake Coker. Um, probably didn't have time to Google, and you probably didn't know that.
0: We don't and, want them to have time to Google. That was yeah, good. That was a good yeah. timeline.
1: And then... After that, Mark Ingram's quarterback was Greg McElroy, and Greg McElroy is pretty famous now. I mean, he's on ESPN and he talks every day. But you look at his stats from 2009 when they won that title. He was pretty, he was okay, but he was pretty average. Average 61 percent completion percentage, only 7.7 yards a pass or yards per attempt. So he wasn't spectacular. Really, it was the defense that carried that team. But Mark Henry was the offensive star. So the running back overshadowed the quarterback there. I think Reggie Bush, the 2005 Heisman winner, and yes, we're going to go with that distinction despite what the NCAA says, um, is one of the more interesting cases. Obviously, Matt Leinart was a superstar in college. But in 2005, Reggie Bush was essentially lighting the world up. I think he averaged 8.9 yards per carry that season. He had plays named after him, the Bush push. He was kind of the embodiment of Hollywood there. He overshadowed Matt Leinart that season. And I think a lot of voters were just saying, okay, it's Reggie's turn. So in all three of those instances, the running back did overshadow his quarterback, and you just like Travis Etienne will probably get there. Yeah. Like Trevor Lawrence is going to overshadow Travis Etienne and steal those votes every year. There just aren't that many scenarios where you have an elite quarterback and the running back still going to garner those votes.
0: Well, and the thing with Reggie Bush too, like Matt Lineard had already won a Heisman. Yeah. So. Like, yeah, it was Reggie's time. And you can close your eyes if you're a college football fan and, and think back to 05. And you can, uh, to me, I see a few different images of Reggie Bush. And I think, you know, he's one of those guys who we think of. The interesting one here that you didn't mention in your story, but as far as play for a winning team, must overshadow his quarterback. like eh. Adrian Peterson in 04 fits these two criteria so far. Jason White had already won a Heisman. You know what I mean? It's yep. it's it's really surprising. And I think when I read this story, it I realized that it would be almost impossible now for or not almost, it would be very difficult now for a running back to win the Heisman. However, if one thing has changed, it's that we're not adverse to giving this award to a young player. And if you yeah. dropped 0-4 Adrian Peterson now, a true freshman, into twenty twenty he wins the Heisman barring some sort of Joe Burrow type quarterback performance. So
1: I actually, I might push back a little on that and that leads into number three, which is that the contending quarterbacks can't be spectacular. And Matt Leinart, who did win the Heisman trophy that year was like by all measures in 2005 and or 2004 and passing offenses were really different back then. He was pretty spectacular Threw for over 3000 yards, 33 touchdowns against six interceptions I think his completion percentage was somewhere in the realm of 68%. He was really, really good for a USC team that was in national title contention and did win the national championship. Eventually Adrian Peterson, I think qualifies for some of those other categories we'll get to, but if you kind of look back and as dominant as he was, he averaged 5.7 yards per carry. But I think in this modern era, we place so much of an emphasis on passing the ball, that I think Matt lineard still might take that trophy. If you kind of look back at it, I, it, I mean, it's obviously a what-if, but I really do think quarterbacks are just so advantaged when it comes to these awards.
0: No, you're right. And as you're saying, the the quarterback in that year's field has to be subpar. Yeah. And I think it's a testament to how great Reggie Bush was and how he accomplished task one and task two and task four, which we'll get to, that he outshined Vince Young in 2005, who was part of the field, right? and and it's just, you look at Heisman's on a year to year basis, and it really is so interesting how the field changes so much. In 2006, when Troy Smith won the Heisman, that's one of the weakest Heisman years ever. Mm-hmm. And you come out of a situation where Troy Smith has a Heisman trophy and Vince Young doesn't, or Troy Smith has a Heisman trophy and Colt McCoy doesn't, or Deshaun Watson doesn't. And it's, and, and then you, it, it's, it's really, it's really fascinating. And, and this, this criteria of contending quarterbacks can't be spectacular, I think is the biggest hurdle. And maybe that makes sense to a running back winning the Heisman going forward, because every year we see quarterbacks set new records and we keep saying, well, Baker's gone. The, the quarterback stat lines are going to settle down. Well, Kyler Murray comes along. Okay. Well, Oklahoma, you know, we've seen what they can do. Maybe Jalen hurts. Won't be that good. Maybe this is a year for a running back. And then Joe Burrow comes out of absolutely nowhere. And I think that's proof that throw out whatever you think about quarterback seasons, throw that out the window. Like if, if Joe Burrow can come out of nowhere and throw over 60 touchdowns, we are there's, there's absolutely nothing really stopping any quarterback finding the right system to put up massive numbers. And, and that's yes. why it's dangerous to say like, like this year is not a good example because we have Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. But you might say, hey, in 2021, who's the best quarterback in college football? Is it Sam Howell? Is it Jaden Daniels? Well, that would make me think the window opens in 2021 for running back to win the Heisman. But you never know. And, and who's to say in 2021, Sam Howell's not going to throw for 50 touchdowns?
1: I think Sam Howell is actually the perfect example of what you're talking about. Sam Howell, who was really highly decorated freshman coming in, he was a top 50 prospect, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite but I don't think anybody expected him last year and Mac Brown's first season to go out and set freshman records. Like he broke pretty much every record Trevor Lawrence set as a freshman the year before. And if Sam Howell can do that, just kind of coming out of high school and just arriving in North Carolina at any time, we're going to see these seasons from quarterbacks moving forward. Kind of no, it doesn't matter who it is. There's just going to be somebody who blows up and it's going to take a really special season from a running back, both from, a production standpoint and a narrative standpoint to kind of overcome that.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the narrative one. That's your fourth criteria. I actually think this might be the most important one. Running backs must capture the college football narrative.
1: So just, I want y'all to think back to Derrick Henry's 2015 Heisman season and how that played out. I don't don't have the games right in front of me, but Derrick Henry over that essentially five-game stretch to end the season, ending with all games against Auburn and Florida – had an average of like 208 yards per game and against Florida against Auburn, I think he averaged 45 yards per carry. He essentially literally carried Alabama
0: 45 carries per game. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He carried Alabama to the college football playoff that year. And when you're talking about a head to head kind of vote with Christian McCaffrey and Deshaun Watson that season, both of whom looking back, I actually think had a really strong argument to beat Derrick Henry for that award. What took Derrick Henry over the top wasn't his numbers. It was what he did. It was that story. It was Gary Danielson talking about him on CBS every Saturday for four straight weeks as Derrick Henry lifted Alabama into the playoff. And that just, it matters. Bryce Love, and I know this isn't a person who won, but he finished second in the Heisman Trophy voting largely because he demanded that attention nationally with all those 50-yard-plus runs he had. Mark Ingram didn't really have quite the same effort, but he was the story on the first Alabama team to essentially compete for a national championship in 15, 20 years. And when that happens at a Blue Blood program like that, voters pay attention. And I think Reggie Bush is probably the best example of this. Not only did he like take over college football that season, he ended the season strong. The narrative was he played Fresno State and Cal to end the year. And he combined for, I think, like 448 rushing yards and five touchdowns. He went off those last two weeks. And Vince Young, who was spectacular that season throughout, especially early against Ohio State, Vince Young didn't play anybody ranked the rest of the season in the last month. And Reggie Bush just kind of took over the momentum. And when that happens, it can really make a difference in voters' minds. I'm not a Heisman voter. Not many of us at 24-7 Sports are. But we're all guilty and we're all voting for something. I vote for a couple of awards. And when somebody goes off late in the season or like there's a narrative surrounding them or there's a consensus around a person, it's human nature to essentially join that consensus or push yourself towards that direction. And when that happens in college football, it's tough to stop. And that's kind of what happened with the last three Heisman running backs we've had.
0: Yeah. And poor Christian McCaffrey in 2015, he's the the biggest Heisman snub in the last 10 years. And it's strange that that comes in a year in which a fellow running back won the award. But start to finish, you're right, Derek Henry was the best or, or the most popular candidate, I believe, he started the season with three touchdowns against Wisconsin in that ABC game. And Christian McCaffrey, meanwhile, Stanford lost at Northwestern to start the season. So by the time Christian McCaffrey lights the world on fire that last month, it's just too late. Because Derek Henry is breaking the SEC record for rushing yards in a season. Derrick Henry is carrying Alabama it, it, Chris McCaffrey broke Barry Sanders, record for all purpose yardage. It, it, yeah. it just was too, it was too little and literally too late on the West coast when everyone had finished by six o'clock watching Derrick Henry run through S vaunted sec defenses. There was no catching him.
1: No. And let, let me read Derrick Henry's essentially last six weeks of college football that year. So, Alabama plays Texas A&M number 9 Texas A&M at the time on October 17th. Derrick Henry runs for 236 yards and two touchdowns. 3 weeks later they play number 2 LSU. Derrick Henry runs for 210 yards and three touchdowns. The week after that, Mississippi State, 204 yards, two touchdowns. 2 weeks later, the Iron Bowl, he runs for 271 yards, a touchdown on 46 carries. 1 week after that, he runs 44 times and for 189 yards and a touchdown against Florida to kind of send Alabama to the national championship. Like Christian McCaffrey was incredible. I think he's one of the closest things we've seen to a literal video game running back in the last 20 years of college football, maybe since Barry Sanders. And Derrick Henry crushed Christian McCaffrey's Heisman chances simply because he had the stage and he took advantage of it. Christian McCaffrey, like you said, on the West Coast, didn't have that opportunity. And it's unfortunate that voters kind of fell for that, but that's just what happened.
0: The College Football Daily will be right back. The, an interesting thing about the college football narrative and how running backs have to capture that as we segue into your fifth and final criteria, I can think of two recent September Heismans, and everyone listening knows what that is. He's the guy at the end of September who is the Heisman frontrunner. I'm thinking right now, Chris, of Leonard Fournette and of Saquon Barkley. Saquon, 2017, Leonard Fournette, I want to say 20... I almost think it might have been 2015. And yeah, those up. guys just had massively early showcase games. Leonard Fournette against Auburn, oh my goodness. Broke tackle after tackle. I think he had that one play where he ducked a guy, then broke two more tackles and route to the end zone. Saquon Barkley was absurd all of 2017, but especially early on. Had that game against Iowa, where he is sort of him versus Iowa middle linebacker Josie Jewell. And, and Saquon was just purely unstoppable. And eventually those guys kind of tapered off, Chris. Like Saquon had a few games where he averaged two yards a carry because defenses put eight in the box and he really couldn't do much. And, and the, kind of the same thing happened to Leonard Fournette. I remember actually Leonard Fournette got shut down by Alabama and that really ended his Heisman shot. If those guys had had the production and the volume that they needed to have or that you know what we thought was possible in September they probably would have run away with the Heisman. But that, that narrative is so important because you have to have the narrative because, I mean, you can have all the production in the world, but you have to have the narrative and it kind of goes both ways as we segue into to your fifth one, which is an interesting way to, to talk about this upcoming season. But, but tell us about what's the, what's the threshold for what a running back needs to accomplish to stay on that Heisman map as far as stats go?
1: Yeah, all three recent Heisman winners rushed for at least 1,500 yards during the regular season, and I think it's not just yardage. It's volume and potential opportunities. Um, the last seven backs, so from 2013 to 2019, that finished at the highest um, kind of spot in the Heisman voting, so Trey Mason, Melvin Gordon, Derrick Henry, Deontay Foreman, Bryce Love, Travis Etienne, and Jonathan Taylor, averaged 310 yards per carry or 310 carries during the regular season that would be a that would be quite a production load but um that's a lot for those um kind of working from home but just for perspective last year there were only 12 running backs in the FBS who cleared the 250 yard 50 carry mark in college football the season before that there were only 11 so when you kind of think about it the Heisman pool for running backs is basically 10 or 11 backs every year, no matter what. And it shrinks even more when you kind of consider the other factors. And there are exceptions to this. Travis Etienne, for example, uh, was seventh in the Heisman Trophy voting in 2018 with just 1600 yards and 207 carries. But he was only there because Trevor Lawrence as a freshman didn't have that kind of Heisman hype yet. And he was playing for an, un- or an unbeaten Clemson team. So, so like somebody from that team had to be lifted in the Heisman voting. But for the most part, if you're a running back and you're contending for the Heisman Trophy, you need to rush for at least 15 to 1,800 yards, and you need to have at least 250 carries. And that's just super rare in college football these days, where you're seeing more um, kind of rotational backfields. You're seeing running backs. For example, I wrote about Trey Sanders, who is going to be the third string back at Alabama next year and a former five-star. He doesn't want a lot of carries in college. Like He came into it expecting to be in a rotation at Alabama. And they're looking out for their future. But when you're talking about a Heisman winner, you have to have that volume. And it's just happening less and less frequently in this era.
0: To look at Saquon, that twenty seventeen season, the one that gets him drafted number two overall, two hundred and seventeen carries, one thousand two hundred and seventy-one yards, average of five point nine. Of course, he was a monster receiving the football catching the football, fifty-four catches, six hundred thirty-two yards, three touchdowns, and you know, had two kick return touchdowns. But hit You have to, if you're a running back and you're going to win the Heisman, you have to do it every single game. And Saquon, Penn State at that point, lost back-to-back games to Ohio State and Michigan State. Saquon had 2.1 yards per carry against Ohio State. And I know he had a kick return touchdown, but still. And then he had 4.5 against Michigan State. Didn't crack over 65 yards in either of those games. So you can be literally the best running back prospect per the NFL standard in the last 20 years. And if you're not getting a hundred a game plus, you're not no winning shot. the Heisman. Even no if shot. you're catching the football, which makes me really bearish on Travis Etienne as a Heisman guy this year because he is Clemson's leading returning receiver, and he will be, the, you know, their star running back. But Saquon Barkley did a little bit of both, and kick and return kicks like Etienne. He didn't come close to winning the Heisman. And then Etienne, you figure has to has to split Trevor Lawrence for votes he's not going to get the production or the volume because he's in a running back by committee almost type of backfield. And you would imagine when Travis Etienne has a conversation to come back to school, there is some level of, yes, we're going to still preserve your legs for what we hope is a long NFL career, right? Like Travis Etienne is not going to get the ball 300 times this fall. They're going to get the ball at Lynn J. Dixon and DeMarcus Bowman. So I would, again... All of these things make me think, okay, Travis C and TN is not winning the Heisman this year. Najee Harris is not going to win the Heisman at Alabama because he's in that committee. Like you, like you just mentioned with Trey Sanders of all the running backs who are the great running backs entering the season. Like who could win the Heisman, Chris,
1: um, Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma state would be first on that list. He ran for over 2000 yards this past season. He's going to be in an offense. Um, that's going to have a lot of production this year. I also think Chuba Hubbard might be in the news uh, the next 24 hours or so based on something he just tweeted, but we can get into that later if you want. Um, but he'll have a great opportunity to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he was in the top 10 last year. He has name recognition now. He has a story and a team with Oklahoma State, Somebody, a program that hasn't been a national championship contention in a very long time that he can help lift up there. And there's enough offense around him with a guy like Tylen Wallace at receivers, Spencer Sanders at quarterback to really make things happen. So he's got a shot. And it realistically, I think the only other candidate that really jumps out at you from the power five level and only power five running backs are going to win this award is Oregon, CJ Verdell who ran for 1200 yards last season, but he's in a situation in Oregon where they have an uncertain quarterback battle with Tyler show. And, um, Anthony, Anthony, Brown. Anthony Brown coming over from Boston College. And if his if his like volume of carries jumps up, he only had 197 last year, he's going to have a shot for a team that's going to be in the mix to not only win the Pac-12, but reach the college football playoff. And right now, those are really the only two rushers, barring like unforeseen circumstances where quarterbacks get hurt, that have a legitimate shot in my mind entering the season.
0: Yeah, and then a problem, of course, you have to have this national hysteria around your running back. Who's going to win the Heisman CJ Verdell probably not happening. Doesn't have any preseason hype. Chuba Hubbard. He's this beloved player, you know, cool storyline comes from Canada, but still, um, and actually like, let's talk about (laughs) what you just alluded to, because maybe this will help his notoriety. And I just found this tweet and my jaw sort of hit the floor. I actually tuned out everything you're just saying. Um, this it's, it's
1: a it's a it's, pretty incredible tweet.
0: So we're recording this on Monday afternoon. It's two o'clock my time Central Time. This is probably going to be a big storyline by Monday night, by Tuesday morning, when everyone listening to this. But so Mike Gundy was photographed earlier today wearing an OAN shirt, and that is the the OA the One America News Network, which is known to be a far right pro Trump cable channel. And Chuba Hubbard tweeted, "I will not stand for this. This is completely insensitive to everything going on in society." And it's unacceptable. I will not be doing anything with Oklahoma State until things change. That's as we sort of just think about that for a little bit. The guy who we just named as the Heisman front runner among running backs, it just called out his head coach and suggested there's some sort of boycott or you know, a pause in any action until his coach who is notoriously hardheaded and stubborn changes or apologizes for wearing a shirt that aligns with his political beliefs, which at this point in time, I can't really fathom Mike Gundy doing, but something's yeah, going to have luck. to happen. And, oh, uh,
1: and to be fair, Mike Gundy, like I, I, this is, I don't even know how to really begin this conversation. Mike Gundy in the past has gone out in support of OAN, um, I don't remember his exact comments, but it was around the time where he stuck his foot in his mouth with COVID testing, where he was essentially saying, I found this like great network. That's like reporting the news, honestly. And he talked about OAN at a press conference. So Mike Gundy has a history of kind of pushing this news network, which I I really don't feel like a lot of people are familiar with, but I think they might get familiar with it, at least in the college football community pretty soon.
0: Wow. Well, that's, that's quite the way to end it. Uh, do we need to circle back to running backs or are we good? I think we're pretty good, right?
1: <laughs> we're good. Yeah, I think we're yeah. good.
0: All right. Chuba Hubbard, thank you for giving us an exclamation point to end this episode of the College Football Daily uh, for Chris Hummer, for our producer, Tawny Levitt. I'm Trey Scott. I want to read, uh, Chris, just hang tight with me. Remembering Tani, uh asked us to uh, promote a fantasy football podcast coming up for CBS. And, you know, we talk about running backs and we talk about winning the Heisman, and it's probably time to start thinking about who's going to be your number one running back in the fantasy football drafts this year. So um, it's the start of the fantasy football season, and the CBS Fantasy Draft client is live. That means our Fantasy Football Today crew is preparing you for your 2020 drafts with a huge week of draft prep, including rankings, debates, sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Find out their pick for this year's Lamar Jackson. Why? The aforementioned Derrick Henry could bust. I don't know. I don't know, Chris. I don't think we want Derrick Henry to bust. And much more on the Fantasy Football Today
1: podcast.
0: You can listen to Fantasy Football Today wherever you listen to the college football daily. What hey, what do you got?
1: I was just gonna say I'm in the middle of a fantasy football draft right now, a little dynasty action, and I listened to that podcast over the weekend. I highly recommend it to anybody.
0: Well, thanks for helping me with my read. I hadn't I don't do many of those and you know, I don't know if it's okay to do it at the end of the episode, but Hopefully, that's all right with Tawny. So, all right. Anyway, thanks to everybody for listening. We will see you on Wednesday for the next edition of the College Football
1: Daily.